Yes, welcome on into Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. I've got a fun one today. I hopped on Locked On MLB with our friend Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. And we had a great conversation covering a lot of different topics in, in MLB, but most of what we focused on was some of the outstanding free agents out there right now, the biggest names, Carlos Correa, Freddie Freeman, and what happens, what do their teams do if if they don't come back? So if Freddie Freeman doesn't come back to the Braves, which as a Braves fan sounds like a nightmare, and if Carlos Correa doesn't come back to the Astros. So check it out. Hope you enjoy. It is with my great pleasure to bring on to the program all the way from the cosmopolitan and enlightened town of Auburn, Alabama. Actually, a town I really happen to love a lot. I have a lot of really good memories there. Lindsey Crosby, welcome to the show, the new host of Locked On MLB Prospects. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Sully. Thanks for having me. And uh, you're right, Auburn is a pretty nice place. I love That's it. It's really great. I mean, I, you and I were talking uh, before the, the show began, and I – uh, back in my my performing days, I used to do some shows, a lot of shows down south, and uh, I I always had very fond memories of uh, Auburn performing both at the college and around there. A really great place, a good solid baseball school. Gave us Bo Jackson. That's right. And you know we can't do better than that. So uh, and you you do also do you do do the Locked On Auburn show, right? Or is the, are you no longer doing that? I am a, a co-host of that. So I okay. I appear about twice a week on that show as well. Actually, Monday's show, the show that came out yesterday, you can hear me on there talking all things Auburn football and basketball and baseball. There you go. And and please, please note the incredible research I do on the show in terms of how, how often you're on there. Um, <laughs> If you put down $1.5 million in front of me, I couldn't tell you a single college football player uh, for that. Save your money. But you know what? That's not why we're here. That's not why they brought me in. They brought me in to talk about baseball. Now, look it. We've got a lockout. Mm-hmm. And they haven't called me to fix it. Now, I'm the, my phone, I got my phone. It can ring. But there are many, 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 did I mention many free agents that are still available when the door was shutting like that scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark with the door coming down slip through uh, so a couple of them slipped through and grabbed the whip before it fell all the way down there but uh alas there are a few free agents ha- are still floating in the ether uh, a couple of them uh, really astonish me that they haven't found a home yet some you understand sometimes they some players are going to wait to see their spring training now, what you and I are going to talk about a little bit here are some of the top free agents that are available, um, a little bit of potential landing spots, uh, also prospects who could fill in if a team loses one of those players, and also just a couple other potential scenarios and potential trades and other, you know, other top prospects who could be, you know, really really key players when we enter the world of 2022 assuming there's a season uh, i want to point out one thing it's strange that the player that won rookie of the year in the american league in 2021 randy arosa he was the rookie of the year but played in his third postseason as he played with the cardinals in 2019 tampa in the covid season he still had rookie eligibility left 
So he played with Tampa again this year. Strange that your rookie of the year could have uh, could be a veteran of the postseason, but but here we go. So let's go through. You had a couple that you want to bring out right away. So let's just let's just nosedive right into this and talk about some of the players and some of the holes and some of the some of the legitimate stars who are still available out there. Yeah. So I grew up in the South in the days of the TBS Superstation. So no matter where you lived in the Southeastern United States, you were a Braves fan. So I'm a Braves fan. Um, and the number one free agent for me available, Freddie Freeman. I mean, mm-hmm. never thought it would go this far where Freddie Freeman would actually get to free agency. Obviously, he lives in California. He's from California. Uh, so there's a chance. Everybody still expects that he's going to re-sign with the Braves when um, with the lockout's over. But there's a chance he could go somewhere else. And so if Freddie Freeman were to leave Atlanta, what does Atlanta do? And um, problem well, is, the system has pretty much no corner infield talent. Uh, the by far the weakest position in Atlanta's farm system is the corner infield. And so I think if Freddie Freeman does not get his six years, $180 million from Atlanta, which he's probably going to get, uh, the Braves are going to have to make a trade to replace Freddie Freeman. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you a question because you will see a player like Anthony Rizzo is available mm-hmm. or a player like Kyle Schwarber could be potentially available or even Chris Bryant. Um, I, I think Brian is probably going to go to a team that needs third baseman or outfield help. But, uh, and I actually, I also believe that Freddie Freeman will in the end resign with the Atlanta Braves. It just is one of those things that, you know, that he probably wants to take his victory lap mm-hmm. after playing there for, you know, 11 plus seasons to finally show up as not just a world series champion, but as someone who contributed big time to that world series title. That being said, the day we're recording this is Albert Pujols' birthday. And Albert Pujols ended his Cardinals career a World Series champion, contributed big time with that with a three-home run game in the World Series against Texas. And he signed a Mongo contract with Anaheim that uh, I, I think officially ends during the heat death of the universe. And, uh, and it's, you could see a player... You know, basically, I've said that in the free agency era, if you spent, if you have a player who spends 10 years with your team, you really can't ask for more than that. It's kind of like, at, you know, at this point to sort of say he gave Braves fans more than a decade mm-hmm. and hit some of the biggest home runs in Braves postseason history in 2021 and was a big contributor. I mean, they, they, his home run t- beat Milwaukee, which was the team that I thought was going to go to the World Series from the National League. Off a hater. so... I mean, yeah, off of yeah, off of a player who's a legitimate all star. So you know, Braves fans, I'm sure you want Freddie Freeman back, but also you can't really cry if this is it. You know, there are always first basemen available, and this is not me being crass. And I actually do think he's going to resign. Yeah, but uh, I think if you have a chance to get uh, potentially a Rizzo potentially a Schwarber, potentially a Nick Castellanos, potentially even, you know, cheaper with a Luke Voigt or a Matt Olson or a Josh Bell, you know, you could, you can move on. If you've learned anything from the World Series title that the Braves won in 2021 is you could lose a superstar, insert a moderate player and have that moderate player do well. I mean, they lost Ronald Acuna Jr. And they acquired an NLCS and a World Series MVP 
with the legendary combination of Eddie Rosario and Jorge Soler. And so, you know, nobody is, is, nobody is not replaceable. Okay. Okay. I, <laughs> I don't have that Auburn University grasp of grammar that you have, Lindsay, but um, I, that's my story. I'm going to stick to it. I think that, I think Freddie is going to come back, but if he doesn't come back, I mean, the Yankees could use a first baseman, especially if Rizzo goes elsewhere. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox could use a first baseman, especially if Schwaber goes elsewhere. Um, and the Padres may be trying to move Hosmer around, and he may fit into that. You know, I, and there's always sometimes a weird team. Like, I didn't expect Corey Seager to go to the Rangers. So there's always a team that can sometimes come out of nowhere. I do think it's going to be Atlanta. But um, it would not surprise me if he goes to New York. Yeah, they definitely cost themselves money by not extending him earlier when they had the chance. And the conversation around the fan base is pretty much they were waiting for financials to come out because the way that it works with Liberty Media is the Braves are expected to raise their own payroll through the battery, through ticket sales and things like that. So with your COVID year, not having fans, uh, the thought process was they had to make sure the money was there in the new season before they could offer him the deal. And by then it was already halfway through the season. You know, July is when the quarter two financials come out. It's kind of too late to get an extension done, but they definitely cost themselves some money. If they sign him, they're going to have to give him that sixth year. They probably cost themselves $20 million over the course of the deal. I will say one thing too about the, look at, I am not involved despite the rumors. I'm not involved with any of the financials of the Atlanta Braves organization, (laughs) but any stretch of the imagination, but a team's, Fan base and season ticket base usually expands after the World Series championship mm-hmm. year. Now, of course, we're going to assume there's a season. We're going to assume there's not going to be another variant that wipes things out. But the enthusiasm for going to the Braves, assuming we have a season, is going to skyrocket in the wake of a World Series title. And all of the cynicism of losing all those game five of the division series and blowing the NLCS to uh, Los Angeles, all this sort of stuff. That's all flushed down the turlet. And I think bringing back uh, uh, Freddie Freeman is, I mean, in so many ways just makes it a absolute surefire bet that the, the Braves fan base will be there to, you know, to witness it and to, and to support them. Hey y'all. It's the new year, and if new year means New Year's resolutions and yours is eating healthier or getting fit, then Built Bar is for you. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Covered 100% real chocolate, it's 130 calories, and 17 grams of protein. So go to Built.com, check out all the limited time flavors, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, and use promo code BLOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That's LOCKED15 at Built.com. Okay, we are still here with... Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects. I want to talk about the these two names are, are intertwined. You can't talk about one without the other. And again, I may be jumping on you a little bit because I'm not sure if this is one you prepare, but it's one I do want to talk about. Carlos Correa and Trevor Story. I still don't understand why the, the Rockies didn't trade Trevor Story. If they, if they knew they weren't going to resign him and there was a market for him, why, was, why did he finish with the Rockies? But once again, uh, I'm now no longer part of the Rockies front office because of our terrible, terrible fight we had when they hired Walt Weiss. <laughs> but you have two all-star caliber shortstops in Correa 
and story. And you have three big market potential landing spots for two shortstops with the Yankees, uh, with the Angels, and the Astros, essentially. And probably some other teams that will scare you. I don't understand why the Yankees didn't sign a shortstop. I have no clue why the Astros have not locked Carlos Correa up to a long-term deal. Um, what do you think is going to happen there with with those teams and with the Rocks? Okay, so Carlos Correa first. I can tell you the reason they haven't locked him up is how much confidence they have in the prospect coming up behind him. So Jeremy Pena, uh, 2018 mm-hmm. third-round pick out of the University of Maine, uh, he is the best defender in the Astros' entire farm system. Uh, they have a lot of faith in what he can do defensively and then offensively. So he was hurt to start the season, uh, come out of spring training, had a wrist injury, ended up going back through rookie ball through through the, the summer league and then made it to AAA for the last month of the season and absolutely raked. OPS of over 800. They really feel that Jeremy Pena can go that quickly and be the starting shortstop in 2022 in Houston. Um, his power is developing. He's not quite there offensively where he needs to be as far as power goes, but he, his hit tool is as advertised. And defensively, like I said, best defender in the system. He's very fluid in his movements, uh, very, very good transfer. He's going to come in and be a top 10 defensive shortstop in Major League Baseball from day one. So they have faith in him. Um, I understand why when you have Altuve, you don't want to necessarily re-sign Correa and then block this guy. And I think it's something where they're trying to figure out where else can they use the money if they let Pena take Correa's spot. Now can you afford to bring back Grinky on a short deal? How can you financially bolster your team by saving that money from Correa? So I get it. I don't think it's the right decision necessarily. I think that Correa is a great player. He has a lot of the intangibles that you want. He's the leader of your franchise. Uh, but I would expect Correa to end up somewhere like Detroit and and Pena to take yeah, over at short. So Detroit already signed Baez. I think you Javi know, Baez I mean, is a better second baseman than a shortstop, honestly. I think so, too. Just I don't think they're going to pull a Texas and pull sign two big free agent shortstops. I, I think letting Correa, he means more to the Astros than he could for any other team. Mm-hmm. There's, there's uh, I'm going to make a weird comparison, but there's a little of a Pablo Sandoval situation here where Sandoval meant much more to the Giants than he did to any other franchise. Now, Correa is a much better player than Sandoval, mm-hmm. but I also think that Correa comes with so much, so much baggage from, I know Astros fans in H-Town, you're all going to roll your eyes when I say this, he's beloved in Houston and hated everywhere else. Yep. And I think that he means so much to the team, he means so much to the community, he means so much to that franchise, and he means so much to the other players. He is almost a keystone player, I think, more than Altuve. I know, I know that may be sacrilegious to say, but I think Correa understands his role on the team, understands the Astros' role in baseball, and is the leader of that team. And look, at leaders have left. I mentioned Albert Pujols earlier. You know, you've seen situations like this, and someone will step in. I get it. I understand it. And if uh, Pena comes in and is all of a sudden he's the second coming, then all of a sudden, well, oh man, I can't believe Sully didn't, you know, what a dumb move that would have been to sign Correa. That's all hindsight bias. I think what we see uh, with Correa, with a window of opportunity to win a baggage-free World Series title still there in mm-hmm. a wide-open American League, and letting a franchise player go 
I just think it's madness. I think he would fit in. I think the I mean, Yankee fans say, oh, we don't want him because he cheated. Shut up. You'd love him. You loved Sabathia, and he hated the Yankees. We're going, you loved Johnny Damon. Knock it off. Uh, I actually think he, the team that could swoop in and sign him is, is, is Anaheim. Uh, because I think that he that the he would fit in great in that infield. Of course, the Angels need more pitching than anything else. They don't necessarily need another MVP on that team. They need a couple of Cy Young Award winners on that team. But uh, to remove Correa from the Astros and plunk them onto their team, um, again, we, we mentioned them signing Albert Pujols, and that contract didn't turn out to be a great move in the end. But... Uh, I, I, I look at. I think there's a lot going on. Pena could wind up being a wonderful player, or this could be still Camposano with the Blue Jays all over again. Uh, and for anyone who understands that reference, God bless you. But uh, he was the uh, George Bell was the MVP of the American League in 1987, and the next year they moved Bell to DH to make room for Sil Camposano, who was going to be the next great Blue Jay player of all time. And the fact that you drew a blank when I mentioned the name Sil Camposano probably will let you know how well that went. As George Bell hit three home runs on opening day and remained an elite slugger for the next few years, and Camposano never quite made it. Um, uh, look, at you're big on prospects. You have a whole damn podcast on it. Uh, I, I get it. And we all will project things. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we're also projecting that how the – Padres have to dump Will Myers because of that contract. You remember him, the guy who was such a great prospect that people thought it was insane that the Royals would trade him away. I mean, this is the guy who's going to be a franchise player. Correa's already a franchise player. He is. There are not many players like that. And to just let him walk because of the potential of a dude named Pena, I mean, again, I it could work out great. And there have been instances of letting players walk, and oh my God, it was a perfect move. They let them, they, they stepped right in, but it doesn't always work out that way. Most often, it doesn't. Yeah, and and the problem for Houston is just working on the financials. They've got a hole in the outfield still; they're still trying to fill. And then it's just figuring out who can who can we afford to give another contract to. And for some reason, I think they see Correa as more expendable. And I'm guessing it's because of his 2020 season. He rebounded completely in 2021. Look back to exactly what he was. 2020 was obviously an, an aberration. but For everybody. Yeah. For everybody, it was an aberration. Except for a, Freddie Freeman. He got an MVP. <laughs> All right, fine. I mean, 2020 made us think that Trevor Bauer was a Cy Young Award winner, for goodness sakes. It was a 60-game season. It was an Let's aberration for everybody. Let's let's look at everyone's stats in May and say that's all. That's all, folks. You know. Uh, now, of course, those who do not sign Correa could always sign Trevor Story, mm-hmm. uh, who I think I think he's going to go to the Yankees. Um, but then again, the Yankees have just been playing, uh, you know, you know, frugal times. And I keep, you know, Peraza and some of the other players we hear in their farm system. I don't. I mean, again, we've had so many huge shortstops that were available. I thought Corey Seager was absolutely going to the Yankees. I thought it was the perfect fit for the Yankees. And, you know, he went to Texas. Um, Peraza, I think they have another shortstop in their system that they're talking about. That Volpe, thank you very much. And, you know, again, they could wind up being, you know, the next, I mean, remember Jeter got his chance because Tony Fernandez got hurt. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, 
I story would make a great fit for the Yankees. I think Correa would make a great fit for the Yankees. But I personally think Correa. I do think Correa is going to go to. I was going to say just a few weeks ago, I would have said the Astros. You know, he's going to return. I do think he's going to go to the Angels, and I think Story's going to go to the go to New York. Yeah, so the Angels don't have a lot of of middle infield depth in the system. So I can absolutely mm-hmm. see the Angels as a great destination. The Yankees have a lot of faith in Peraza. They think he'll be up in 22. And the comparisons that I've gotten both offensively and defensively for Peraza are Derek Jeter. So it's a lot to live up to offensively. It's not a lot to Sacrilege. live up to defensively. Sacrilege. Um, yeah, it's hard It's hard to compare you know, anybody to Derek Jeter. And I think they mean more of the offensive profile than what he's going to do uh, in October and November and things like that. But, yeah, no, he's, he's not the twitchiest athlete, but he absolutely defensively can stick it short. And he's going to be a middle-of-the-lineup hitter. So he's not going to mm-hmm. be one of your leadoff guys, but he, you know he's going to bat fifth, sixth. He's going to give you consistent at bats. And right now in New York, I think they need competency at shortstop more than anything. Uh, I, I can see them going either direction. I think that they probably want to re-sign Rizzo or sign Bryant, and I don't think they can mm-hmm. do um, one of those guys and Story. So I think what's going to happen I, is it's going to be it's going to be either Rizzo, Bryant, I, or him. I, you know, it, 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 look at, I am a classic Yankee hater, so I'm not, I'm not lamenting this. I just don't understand this. These are the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And the thing that derailed them last year, I'll say derail. I mean, there were 90 win team that made the postseason, but they didn't have a chance. I mean, even if they, even if they wound up beating Boston, which they got thumped by Boston, mm-hmm. they would not have made it to the world series. Like this is not a world series team. And the thing that thumped them last year, their starting pitching was actually pretty good. You know, their offense was completely unreliable. You had Judge and you had Stanton. After that, I mean, they had LeMahieu had a disappointing season. Uh, Urshela had a disappointing season. You know, the, uh, their outfield was a mess, save for Judge. And, you know, it and Rizzo did fine when they acquired him, but you know Gallo didn't do piddly poo. I mean, they needed a spark plug mm-hmm. in their offense. Carlos Correa, yeah, the reason you that know, I... or Trevor Story or or Seager. I mean, what what are we talking about here? Why are the Yankees saying, well, if we if we get this person to platoon, then maybe we get? To... I'm sorry, okay. I mean, look at I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight them. But it's I just don't understand when there were so many quality shortstops that all they had to do was open up their pocketbook. Why we're talking about they could pl- get musical chairs on this shortstop time and not have signed any of them. I think the Yankees issue is it's no longer George Steinbrenner's Yankees. It's Hal Steinbrenner's Yankees. They're already at $221 million in in payroll for 22. So they're already 11 million over the luxury tax cap, assuming it's not lifted in the new CBA. And I think that's part of the reason they weren't willing to go out and get somebody. And if you look at it, it's kind of their own making. They've got 15 million for DJ LeMayhew. Is he a $15 million a year player? Like, I don't think he, he is. was the first few years he played him. He was the first, first few years. years. Yeah. I mean, let me ask you a question. Cause we, cause I'm going to jump around here a little bit here. Um, we had mentioned Freddie Freeman, mm-hmm. and we'd also mentioned Rosario and Soler. You know, if they bring back either one of them, obviously it would be a short-term deal. Um, I think that 
Soler will wind up going to one of those teams that desperately needs offense, mm-hmm. like Cleveland or Minnesota. Um, they have Kristen uh, Pache and Drew Waters in their system yeah. in for Atlanta. Uh, Pache, it's Pache, right? That's the, I'm pronouncing it correctly, right? Pache. Pache, sorry. Pache. Kristen Pache, uh, who, who has, already has a World Series ring and, like uh, Rosarena, is a postseason veteran at this point. But is he ready to step in to that outfield? And But more importantly, and more to the point, step in with his bat. So if they do lose Freddie Freeman, they do add a new bat and a new, um, for the lack of a better word, uh, dimension to their lineup as they try to repeat in 2022. So based on the 2020 postseason, they thought Pache would be ready for 21. And he's actually right. opened the season in Atlanta. And it was a combination of a hamstring strain and just offensively, he looked completely lost at the plate. So he spent mm-hmm. the year at AAA, uh, was around a league average hitter. Offensively, I don't think he's ever going to be that guy who will hit like you think of a Ronald Acuna or somebody who's a dynamic hitter. I think at best he's going to be pull heavy league average with high strikeouts. Um, I think of the two outfielders, Drew Waters has a better chance to make an impact off- offensively, but same thing. He's also having strikeout issues as well at AAA. And if you're struggling at AAA, then if we promote you, you're just going to struggle worse when you get to, to the bigs. And so Atlanta needs one of those two guys to figure it out and figure it out rather quickly. I would expect if they had one of those guys to open the season in Atlanta, it would be Pache, simply because he's considered to be, in the words of some folks in Atlanta system, a generational talent at center field defensively. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's their words, not mine. The, the comparison they use is Andrew Jones, as far as defense what? goes. Yikes, okay. Yeah, that's, and uh, so... Throwing down the gauntlet. Yeah, so if, if that is... If his defense is as good as advertised, I think he may open up in Atlanta, but he does have minor league options. If you see him struggle offensively again, once Ronald Acuna comes back, they may send him back down again. Um, but I don't think either one of them is offensively ready for the majors, and Atlanta has to figure out that third spot. You're going to have uh, Duvall's coming back. You have to re-sign somebody out of Solaire, Rosario, Jock Peterson, and then Acuna is supposed to be ready around May or so. Well, you need a third a third outfielder until then. Is it Marcelo Zuna? You know, he has a whole personal situation going on. Uh, is it him? Is it somebody else? I don't think Atlanta quite knows what they're going to do yet. And that's why I actually think if Freddie Freeman doesn't work out, uh, the Braves should look at bringing somebody in like a Chris Bryant or trade for someone like Matt Olson. BetOnline wants to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march through the NFL playoffs. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022 from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for 2022. Use your promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. We're here with Lindsey Crosby. I'm singing about Bill Parsons. Um, I'm just going to go quickly through some of the other names that are out there. Uh, I personally find Chris Bryant to be one of the most. You alluded to him a, a little bit. Uh, I find him, obviously, he's no longer the the MVP that he was a few years ago. But he's still a very good player. And I think his greatest, uh, for lack of a better word, value is the fact that you can play him at third. You can play him at first. You can play him in the outfield. I think a team like the Mets 
should be salivating over him. I think San Francisco should look long and hard about bringing him in there. Mm -hmm. Um, He could fit in with the Yankees. He could fit in with Seattle. He could fit in with Anaheim. He could fit in with Cleveland. There's the Cleveland is, I think, such an interesting case because they've done the hard thing. They've developed a good pitching staff. They just don't. They can't hit. And you keep thinking about like just get every available hitter to sign in a one-year deal with that pitching staff in that division. You have a chance to win ninety games and and roll the dice and maybe end a curse or two. But uh, I think Bryant is uh, uh, an interesting case uh, the giants have ramos in their farm system who could fill in uh in the lineup but i i think bryant once the lockout ends and hopefully knock on desk it will end soon i think bryant is a very attractive choice maybe for as i said the mets the yankees the red sox uh potentially the dodgers the giants the cubs seattle i mean all these teams could use a player either in the corner outfield first base or atlanta for that matter yeah, I I originally thought the Mets would go after Bryant just something kind of, kind of to make a splash. They're already at $254 million in, in salary. So at this point, adding another big contract, you can do it just understanding you're paying a few years of luxury tax if you do. And again, we don't know what the CBA is going to look like as far as the tax threshold. I really think, like if it was me, I think the Angels should, should go out and sign Chris Bryant. I think that's something where you have, a, obviously there's now an opening at third. You've moved on from Rendon. Uh, I mean, you haven't moved on from Rendon, but they've shown that they're willing to to play other guys there and not have him be a regular. You already moved on from from Albert Pujols. So you've kind of shown the fans, we're serious. We're trying to compete now. You have the reigning MVP. You have Mike Trout, who's never made the playoffs. Chris Bryant's Man a guy who could... Get it once. That's right, he did. I'm sorry, you're right. And he is homered in one-third of his playoff games. <laughs> But it's something where where Chris Bryant fills a lot of potential holes in your lineup um, if you're the Angels. And the money makes sense. They just went out and drafted 20 pitchers in the draft last year. And so you have to think pitching help is coming. I know they need more. They're going to always need more pitchers. But Chris Bryant's a guy that can do a lot and can can help you out all around the diamond wherever you have issues, whether it's outfield, third base. Like you said, you're not moving Jared Walsh off of first base, but third and no. the outfield both. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Nick Castellanos is another one who's an interesting and I think a potential Atlanta uh, spot for him. Um, Schwarber is, I think, very interesting just because, I mean, he's not the greatest all-round player, mm-hmm. but he has such great power. He's He he's, does well wherever he goes. I think he'd be a great fit for certainly a, a sort of a – I'd like to see him go back to the Red Sox, but like, uh, if you're a fringe contending team that could use a big old bat in the middle of your lineup, you could do worse than that. Um, I do want to bring up uh, one of the, we brought up, uh, you mentioned a couple of pitchers, you know, Grinky, Kershaw, Carlos Rodon. Uh, I find you say Kikuchi to be an interesting case. By the way, when we talk about the, the uh, Bryant as well, as a potential replacement for Seager in Seattle with his retirement, um, that he could fit in there as well. I know mm-hmm. they acquired Toro in the deal uh, in the Graveman trade, but um, you, the Angels, Major League Baseball has to be furious at the Angels that they have, assuming Mike Trout comes back and is healthy, they have Otani, who's the biggest story in baseball, and 
they can't sniff contention in a pretty, uh, I don't want to say mediocre American League, but there's a lot of parity in the American League. There's no super team in the American League. You know, 90 wins punches your ticket in the American League. And you have Trout and Otani, who should be the two biggest draws in baseball. And every year they're playing golf when it's time to play postseason ball, say for 2014. And that's a 2014 is a while ago. That's eight seasons ago. And, you know, so they need pitching. And I look at a chance. Grinky is going to sign whomever offers him the most years of money. He's not a hard egg to figure out. Okay. But I wonder if reacquiring Grinky and rolling the dice and saying, screw it, Clayton Kershaw, stay in Los Angeles, you know, or Rondon. I like Kikuchi because he's a, he's like, would be a really good number three starter on a contending team. If, if I were the Angels, um, you know, luxury tax, I know it's not my money, but luxury tax be damned. You have an opportunity to be a, a real marquee team in baseball. And I live in Southern California. The Angels have a huge following. They are not a small mm-hmm. team. Uh, it's insane that we're still dealing, you know, eight seasons later, we're dealing with the same problem. Uh, I say reach out to Kershaw, Grinky, Kikuchi, Rodon, all these pitchers who are available and, you know, slap something together here. I don't think Kershaw or Grinky are going to have long-term deals. So, you know, roll with it. Kikuchi's one of those guys, of those four big pitchers left, I don't understand why he's considered to be the fourth of the four. I mean, he's only 30 years old, doesn't really have any yeah. health concerns. And how often do you find a lefty with a live arm? I mean, I yeah. and I think part of it is he had a 4-4-1 ERA last year. And if you look at mm-hmm. where he played in the context of some of those situations, like I understand what his record looked like, but the peripherals underneath Kikuchi are great. And yeah, he's a very yeah, I, yeah, I, I and I wasn't trying to diminish yeah. his role, but he's oh, no, certainly no, no. the of the four names, he's the least well known in some ways. Yeah. And he's and I think he would make a great addition to virtually any staff. Yeah. I mean the Angels should be giving Grinky and Kershaw one year deals and Kikuchi a four year deal to come in there mm-hmm. and help them bridge into he can be the number three. He can be a stretch two if you need him behind Otani, but at worst he can be a three for you for the next four years, and he's going to go out there and throw 160 innings every single year, 180 innings every single year, eat yeah. innings, bridge you to the back half of the bullpen because they don't have anybody in middle relief. And so mm-hmm. I just – MLB, like you said, MLB has to be mad about it. And then I just don't understand why, um, why he's not signed by somebody. I don't understand, like, if why Kershaw – is still out there. I understand. Like, I'm guessing people think he doesn't want to go near besides the Dodgers, but Clayton Kershaw seems to me as a guy, if nothing else, you bring him in for a year so he can teach your young pitchers how to pitch. If mm-hmm. he's going to leave California, I feel a place like Detroit is a place who could bring in Kershaw on a one-year deal. They got a lot of young pitchers like Casey Mize, Taylor Scooball, who That's I've been learning on the job. They've been they, They've been learning by doing. Bringing a veteran like Kershaw who can show these guys what it means to be a pro day in, day out, teach them some tricks, and you'll see Detroit three years down the line, that is going to be one of the better starting rotations in baseball. Let me ask you a question. Another team that is, especially if they have a lot of their pitchers healthy for next year, Miami has a lot of good quality arms in their staff. 
Uh, and you know, some of them are major, some of them are already major league level, but let's just say you, I mean, I believe this is of all my notes. I never thought of this until you just mentioned Detroit. I thought that's a really interesting place because Detroit by the end of the year was not a pushover. No, by the end of the year, Detroit was actually playing, you know, for, for a while, that was a, uh, a guaranteed W when you head into Comerica and the, by the end of the year, they were, they were, a they were a decent team. But if you have Trevor Rogers, Sandy Alcantara, possibly, you know, if Lopez is healthy and, you know, um, and Elysia Hernandez or, or someone else, you add, you insert uh, a Kershaw or a Grinky into that kind of rotation where you say, here's a guy who's been there, done that. And you like, they're playing almost the Charlie Liebrandt role Mm -hmm. when he came over to the Braves in the early 1990s. Uh, you know, that to me, I hadn't thought of that with Kershaw, but that could absolutely be the role that he could play unless he just winds up signing with Texas because they're just trying to, they're Texas is desperately trying to win the 2020 world series. Um, I, I don't know how that would go, but that's a really interesting, I had not thought of that, but that's an interesting idea. And that made me think of the Marlins because the Marlins actually the Marlins, the, the two participants of the 97 World Series, the Marlins and, and Cleveland, are teams that can pitch but can't hit. But if you add a Kershaw, then all of a sudden that Marlins team becomes really, really, I mean, you know, becomes a threat. Yeah. And there's somebody listening right now who is complaining about how many pitchers the Marlins have. And they're saying we don't have room for um, Kershaw. And let me tell you, one, pitching depth will always work itself out. Always. You may yes. think you have too many, and 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 I mean, Never you'd be right. Up. You've got Sixto Sanchez, you've got Cody Poti, you've got like eight. You have eight viable starters going into spring Good. training. Yeah, Good. you need You're at least need that all. many. You're going to need them all. The average MLB team has 13 different starting pitchers in a season, and that's a good season. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely, I think of those two. I like Grinky better simply because mm-hmm. of the makeup of what of a lot of what Miami has, not only in that rotation, but also some of the younger guys that they have. I think a lot of what Grinky does well translates over to that. You're going to be mad if the universal DH is a thing, bringing Grinky over to a national league team and not get, and not letting them hit. But I think of those two, I like Grinky better, but that's, I hadn't thought of, of the Marlins as a place to bring in a veteran until now. Uh, yeah. That's a that's an absolutely great point. I don't see why that wouldn't be done by Kim Ng as soon as the lockout's over. Yeah, uh, and it also would not surprise me. And this is the last thing we'll say on this: it would not surprise me if they brought in a veteran for the starting rotation, like I just mentioned, and if they did that sort of supermarket sweep with uh, some of the veterans who they could just sign to one year deals. The Rosarios, mm-hmm. a Solaire. Um, you know, Schwarber's probably going to ask for more than one year, but he may not get it. You know, I mean, I mean, there's a couple like a Colin McHugh may not get a multi-year deal. So you wind up, you know, just, you know, prove it, prove it to us for this one year in Miami. And all of a sudden you look up and they've got a bunch of hungry players playing for a long-term deal and I get to live in Florida. Colin McHugh, Danny Duffy, bring them both in and then give me a Brad Miller in Miami. Brad Miller, Mm -hmm. like, didn't get playing time in Philadelphia for whatever right. reason, but every time he was out there, you look down, he's hitting two home runs in a game. He can play first, second, third outfield. I mean, he's your new Perfect. utility guy. 
if you don't think Khalil Watson's ready to come in and play short and move Jazz Chisholm to second, you've got Miller to come in. He can play second while Chisholm's at short. Uh, but yeah, Colin McHugh, Brad Miller, Danny Duffy, give me that in Miami if you're not bringing in a Grinky or a Kershaw. Take that same money and get all three of those guys. And uh, get Don Mattingly smoking because the the Jack McKeon was a smoker. Jim Leland was a smoker. If you want to win a World Series in Miami, bust out the smokes. Not, so, that, we, so not we that we endorse smoking here. Locked out of it. In fact, here's what I say. If you want to grab a cigarette, grab a built Bar. But I don't think that's the ad read. <laughs> Company man. Hey, <laughs> my favorite flavor is nicotine. I just got fired. Um Lindsey Crosby, tell people where they can listen to your terrific podcast. Man, you know your stuff, and this was a fun – I hope you had fun. This was a fun conversation that we just had. Absolutely had a great time. So Locked on MLB Prospects is available wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can follow me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. We've all learned something here. And by the way, thanks so much for making Locked on MLB your first listen. As we're available on all your free podcasting platforms. What should you make your second listen? Second listen should be locked on MLB prospects. I mean, come on, what's the matter with you? What a great conversation. Uh, go out there and follow Sully at Sully Baseball if you're not already. And um, stay tuned. Tomorrow on the show, we're actually having a crossover with Locked On Nationals. We're going to talk international free, uh, free agency and then some of the farm system of the Nationals, what's going on with them. So stay tuned. This has been Locked On MLB Prospects.